how good we've gotten at the uh the opening and just letting it do its thing i love that i love how we all listen i love how we learn what have you learned brandon (laughs) not fucking help people ever (laughs) let them rot (laughs) never again boys it's a hard lesson to learn only took me 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. The whole thing was crazy. <sighs> Yo, the universe and karma, something something has to, like, even this all out. That's what I keep saying, <laughs> right? Is, like, there has to be some sort of cosmic justice coming. Like, there has to be. Cosmic and it makes me sad justice. that knows... Yeah, and it makes me sad to know that there won't be. (laughs) Cosmic justice. That's the weird thing about it. It's never never on your time. No. It's never when you need it, you know? Cosmic justice. (laughs) That's the uh, the next name for the the Punisher's new space storyline in Marvel. That's like a death metal band name. It's what they should have named the... uh, when he became the Silver Surfer. No, his name is Norrin Rad. All right. Yeah, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean he became the Silver Surfer? Did the Punisher become the Silver Surfer? I'm like 99% no, Frank sure Castle that becomes the Ghost Rider. And no, no, Frank Castle's never become the Silver Surfer. Hell, he's even become Iron Man, but not the Silver Surfer. Hold on. I don't believe you. No, he, I do no, believe no, that he, I was thinking. Yeah, no, of, remember he. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, that's the cosmic ghost rider. Yeah, that, that that's exactly. What yeah, I'm that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who I'm thinking of. You right, you right. I wrong. I was gonna I wrong. be like, send me the storyline. Only there's only been one Silver Surfer. His name's Norn Fucking Rad. There's been a bunch of Silver Surfers, dude. Oh, he's the realist. He's the only one, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I got you. I, oh, I, I got you. I got you. I got you. Kind of like I only have one mouse, but it works. Norm oh. Rad, he works. Well, it would have been a real shame if mine didn't when I hit that button, right? I mean, not for me. <laughs> it was a clean hit. It was a clean click. And that's all we can ask for. Silver Surfer, I think the first run was like 18 issues. That's it? I believe so. Actually, question. Question for you guys. Who is your favorite space Marvel character? Mm, it's it's so it's Norn Rad. Like hands down. He's got He's got a really deep story. Like if you watch like the old cartoon, you look at the lore, if you will, it's 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 jacked up, man. He's got a really jacked up story. Paul Blart, mall cop. Paul Blart. Is that canon? <laughs> sure. I mean, is it is it wait? Well, wasn't Paul Blart under Fox? I mean, yeah, same world. Day. Right, universe. and, and Day. Disney bought Fox. <laughs> Paul Blart is Paul is, Blart the, is a Marvel it, character. Yeah, he's in the MCU, <laughs> and that, and that would mean that uh, wouldn't Marge or Lisa or Maggie be like a Disney princess then? Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, they would. 
them, Meg from Family Guy, they would be Disney yep. princesses by default. Yeah. God, and Disney would too. Oh my God, Peggy. Oh. Peggy's a Disney princess. Oh, I didn't even Peggy realize Hill. that. <laughs> no, wait, I don't know. Is it, isn't it, wait, isn't that owned, isn't that owned by MTV? I thought, Who? I thought, uh, King of the Hill. Uh, King was of the a, Hill? I thought King of the Hill was an MTV thing. I don't know who owns King of the Hill. Because I know Mike Judge was... No, I think you're mixing up with Beavis and Butthead. Well, yeah, well, Mike, well, Mike Judge created both, wouldn't... Uh, I don't know. I, I, well, it Fox. Did, it did debut on... Okay, it did debut on Fox, so... Yeah, the Fo- it's owned by the Fox Broadcasting Company. Oh, well, there you go. They're canon. Yeah, Disney <laughs> no. control. Yeah, Disney even Disney. controls the rights to the point where it's on Hulu. The the best, I, my favorite episode of King of the Hill too is when uh, Hank is teaching Bobby how to smoke, and Bobby's smoking with like two with with the the, the V. He's smoking it with the V, and Hank is oh. like, "That's not how you smoke cigarettes." <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? It's um. Dale is the is the is the conspiracy theory, right? Yep. <laughs> so my favorite one is when he's in the tower. He's like, "Just promise me that you'll have Bobby do be the one to do it because I know he'll put me down good and clean." <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> and he me- takes the gun. <laughs> meanwhile, Redcorn is sleeping with his wife. <laughs> oh man, did you ever see the um what a good show the fan theory? That he knows Redcorn sleeping with his wife, and the way he's getting his justice is by raising his kid in front of him. Yep. <laughs> I've read. I've read. It is so believable. It's so believable, and it's just crazy enough for his character. You know, <laughs> it just makes enough sense. Is Dale a veteran? No, it has to be. There has to be a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> he was I've never seen. He's, he's definitely been in the desert storm. <laughs> the people who trust the government the least work for the government. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of You, Me, and Lore, King of the Hill. God, that would be so long to cover. <laughs> Well, if there's a game, we can we could squeeze it in. No, there is a game. That's right. Yeah, we could squeeze it in if there's a game. One hundred percent. Only if we watch one episode in Japanese. Yes, because I want to know what they have to deal oh, with. Well, yeah, I want to know the flip side. You know what I mean? I want to see the other side of the fence. <laughs> My man's like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dale. <laughs> <Can I? laughs> I could like picture Brandon like, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh man. Do, wait. <laughs> Does, do people in Japan who watch King of the Hill do they go dub or sub? What's the, what's the there was somebody somebody wrote something about that. They actually heard that conversation one time <laughs> go down. <laughs> sub or dub story? I'm sure I can find it. That's cr- I mean, if you think about it, right? Like, do they watch like Yellowstone? Is it, so is here's it one. sub or dub? Like maybe. So, uh, the debate over sub versus dub King of the Hill in non-American countries, and then this guy was like, "I can anecdotally confirm my boss is Japanese and loves the show. He watches it in English without subtitles. He thought Boomhauer spoke complete gibberish and was shocked when I told him you're supposed to understand the gist of what Boomhauer is saying. Just the gist. <laughs> just the, that's all you need, though." <laughs> You just need the gist. I'm actually listening listening to a boom. I'm listening to a boom Howard Japanese dub right now. It's actually kind of funny. Oh my god! Howard Japanese dub. Oh, here we go. I got it too. <laughs> Incredible. I love how a conversation about Marvel got us on King of the Hill. <laughs> So that just goes to question: When is Bobby Hill gonna put on the the Iron Man out armor? 
Have you seen well, or they are merging more? Disney Plus and Hulu, so just you wait. I'm sorry, I was still listening to Boomhauer, what you're saying. <laughs> to be fair, though, it was weird, because I heard Boomhauer talking in your voice. <laughs> Whose voice? Ken Dog. Oh, no. Come on. Boomhauer. Hey, man. It's all been revealed. This, that's exactly okay, that. When, when you talk, that's how um, Brandon sees you. Yeah, pretty much. He just hears you say, "Oh, interpret." Yeah, it's like that. It's like the um, that Jim Carrey speech when he's like, "I'm just making noise." <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. I, I blame my name. Because either you interpret me as Boomhauer or everybody else just interprets me, interprets me as Kenny. Would it be wrong if I called you Fig Newton? No, one of my nicknames. That's that's all good. Fig Newton? All right. Let's just call you Newton. I got one, but I can't say it on air. <laughs> Figgy Pudding. I said it for you there. <laughs> nah, that ain't it. That ain't it. I hate you, Brandon. Sometimes I swear to God. Join the fucking club, <laughs> bro. Yo, my man, my man. If if he was selling a perfume, it would be called hate because he basks in it. <laughs> That's what it would be called. Spray it in the air and walk right into bro, it. I'm gonna get you a hug. I don't need a hug. I don't like to touch people. They're gross. You, Brandon, you need to listen to some Slipknot, okay? Oh, what the fuck did I just hear about Slipknot the other day? Hold on. So I was watching a kid show. I was watching a fucking movie with my kid, and somebody... Yeah, it was Transylvania. That's what it was. So my kid, I was tired of watching the same shit, so I put on Transyl- Hotel Transylvania. And uh, this guy, the, 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 the only human in the show was talking about how this is the second time or the second closest he's ever been to being eaten. And the first time was at a Slipknot concert. And I was like, fucking who put that into a modern day movie? I got hurt. I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I got hurt. I got hurt at a Slipknot concert real bad. I got my chin pushed in technically. (laughs) Did you, did you tie a up? A box knot? Well, okay, look, just real quick before we, because we got the work. We got oh the work, God. all right? Was that Oz, I'm working right now. Was that OzFest? Working it. Was that OzFest? And I can't remember what year. They were playing the second stage. They were headlining the second stage, and they told everyone to get down for a specific song. And some of us didn't go down. I didn't want to go down. It was hot as fuck, and I was sweating. And when everyone raised, the dude that was like a mere couple inches from me, his head hit the bottom of my of my chin. And I pre- he, like, forced my mouth shut, pretty much. Luckily, I didn't lose any fucking teeth. But, like, yeah, that was my Slipknot experience. That's what you get for mouth breathing. And they got kicked in the face of a full-blown chaos concert, too. Stop going to concerts. No. <laughs> Does your wife have That's life insurance out on you? Brandon, yeah. duh. I'm going to put life insurance out on you. You could. I'm going to. When's your next concert? Maybe Saturday. <laughs> I got time. <laughs> Which company? There was a company that got busted putting putting life insurance policies on their employees. What? Yeah, who was that? Was it Enron? <laughs> that makes perfect sense, and it could have been. <laughs> or was that whole thing? Hold on. Does Enron exist in the Halo universe? Who do you think made the Spartans? Oh, shit. Can you agree to that, Kenny? Technically, they went out the same way they went out. Oh, shit. They they went out the, the same way they came. Remember, they, literally, minute, Halo, You talked about canon, this, haven't you? Yes. Remember, everything in Halo canon is our timeline. That's right. Yeah. You have spoken about this in an early episode. I remember. It was Walmart. I think it was the uh, the second episode, the first or second episode. Everything that's currently happening in our timeline is Halo canon. Wow! E- so even this, even this conversation we're having is is Halo canon. It's happened. Walmart got caught, by the way. It's called a it's called a dead peasants policy. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it was Walmart. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. It was them. Wow. On one hand, I don't like Walmart. On the other hand, Walmart doesn't like Chicago. So, you know, I just... What side do you choose? I don't know. I guess I'll have to cross that bridge when I get there. You know what's funny? And it's like kind of the perfect way to kind of wrap up this whole little thing. You know that like Walmart's whole like corporate structure and how they want people like so in love with the company is literally based on how um, a Japanese business owner used to run his company. Like the 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 Walton family is literally imitating um, a Japanese businessman. I can't think of his name at this moment, but yeah, it's their culture is based off of Japanese business culture. Hmm. You, me, and lore companies. Oh. I'm going to write this You, down. me, and business, baby. <laughs> but since we're talking about King of the Hill, we got to talk about the original King of the Hill. The boy. And that's John 117. No, it ain't. The man. Well, he's a, yeah, he is a boy. He is, he technically is a boy right now. <laughs> I was going to say Lord of the Flies. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a King of the Hill in that one. There was. There was. And I think they were eaten. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them were. Good time. Good people. Wonderful time. But, y'all, new episode. We are back. Another one. Another one. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kenny Kendall Gomez. Next up, the the original Dale conspiracy theorist. Say hi, Brandon. I am just here. Yeah. Can you say the same about your politicians? Because they're not here. Because they're lizard people. That is all. I couldn't agree more. Um, dun, dun. And then my, the co-captain of conspiracies, Mr. Clean. Yes, Tell sir. the people what's up. Hey, it's just another day in the neighborhood. It's 87 degrees in your favorite studio, the virtual studio in the Discord building. And we're feeling all right. We're looking all right. Sounds nice over there. Are you pro climate change now? I'm just waiting for it to start. I'm just oh I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for a palm tree Christmas in New Jersey. That's all. Yo, Never mind. the fact that there's a future that there's palm trees in Jersey in the middle of the summer with that hot garbage, and I can talk about it because I lived it. I can't. Oh man, that's just a nightmare. That's at a nightmare. You, at to least think about. you know that the smell doesn't come from here. Someone could attest to it. Where's it come from? New York. You got to You got to be from there. Mm-hmm. New York isn't that bad. Oh, it smells. No, bro, it's so bad. New Yorkers live in Jersey now. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's a town called Jersey City. It it used to look like a piece of shit. Now it looks like New York City. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there there is your there is your proof right there. <clears throat> no. As far I can attest to that because I used to live in Jersey City. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Monday there's a Spartan Academy there too. Man, I tell you like this. Tell me I'm for wrong. anybody who's actually from Jersey City, we all Oh no, you're bro, you're not wrong. <laughs> Yo, the minute they flip those taxes on everybody, they got them. They got them all out. They're, they're gonna build it right there. They're gonna build it right there at the park, the Memorial Park, Spartan University. It's <laughs> oh, our fucking land now. Since we're talking about dumpster fires, because I love my state, we're gonna talk about a different literal dumpster fire. We are picking up with a legendary character and we haven't spoken about her for like probably a month, two months. Who do you think is this woman? This, this woman of intrigue and mystery we're about to talk about. I know Margaret Qualley. I know who you're talking about. The Russian. The Russian. Brandon's girl. His, his true boo. Petrov is back. Yep. Great. And 
contain your excitement. Well, Lane, I need you to show a little more enthusiasm for Brandon's lady. Please. <laughs> so we pick him back up with Petrov, y'all. And she is currently daydreaming about a spa. And not just any spa. The Neo-Atlantis Commander Spa. She's talking about facials, like the type of things they use, and what kind of wine she's going to drink. Squid arm therapy. And that led me to a question. Say it again? Like squid arm therapy, tentacle therapy, all that stuff. Is that what we're looking at here? Bro, all of that and more. All of that and more, Brandon. Queen. He doesn't even know who we are. I don't. I, I'm, ugh. Have you guys ever been to a spa? Yes. No. I haven't either. Clean, tell us about your spa experience. Uh, it like, was it like life-changing? Oh, yeah. So it was actually a birthday gift from my wife a couple years ago. Uh, she worked that one, and I got the whole experience. It was like uh, the sauna, the t- the the jacuzzi the jacuzzi bath area jacuzzi yeah then you could just sit down there you could just sit down and do nothing if you want you could put cucumbers in your eyes i didn't do that you know you get a massage it was cool life-changing all right brandon go go to a spa that's what you need you need the petra spa treatment they just kicked me out Hey, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, literally, as soon as he walked in, no, we've heard about you. You're more trouble than Taylor Swift. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> but sadly, boys, that's when she gets brought back to reality. Her lieutenant kind of kicks her back in and she's like, um, there is an Umbra. There's an alien covenant vehicle approaching. And I want to let you know now, us trying to ambush this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and the woman talking, her name is um, Ceci, and that's that's Petrov, second in command. As she's telling her this, Petrov takes a moment, and she decides to tell us what Ceci looks like. Her cheeks were red and dry. Her eyes were glassy. And her brow was furrowed beneath a pounding headache. In short, she looked like what Petrov felt. This is her second in command. She's trying to break down the situation. Petrov lets her know it's a suicide mission, but we need that transport. And we kind of get a little sit rep because if you guys remember, the Spartans ended up running off because if they tried to move with the regular Marines and crewmen, they would have all died in the uh, nuclear hell that they're currently in. Hmm. When we follow back up with them, we get a little sit rep. We have lost four crewmen since the Spartans left. We've lost two Marines since the Spartans left. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. And just to clarify, the six people that died was just to the heat, to the heat of Netarop and where they're where they're at currently. How how far do you think they've managed to travel since the Spartans have left? Oh shit! Hang on, you're asking me to do math. So they weren't too far from the ship last time we were talking about this. I'm going to say about eight miles, anywhere between six to eight miles. So you got it twisted. No, they were super far from the ship, and they knew that if the Spartans didn't leave, they would never, they wouldn't even hit a fourth of the way. Fire me. <laughs> <laughs> they actually only managed a mile and a half since the Spartans left. Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. They, they managed a mile and a half. She's like, there's no point in moving. She's like, if we try to move anymore, all we're going to do is get hotter and die even faster. So she's like, all we can do is wait for the transport. And that was until this mysterious alien vehicle started approaching. It's at this point, Ceci's like, look, regardless of what's going on, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. And Petrov's like, what are you talking about? She's like, here, 
hands her the BR. She's like, have a look. So Petrov then takes the BR and she aims it. She aims the sight right at the cockpit of the Covenant vehicle. And she sees, she sees some heads. The one in front wore a familiar blue helmet with a distinctive bubble-shaped faceplate. Almost certainly Kelly 087. So she's like, all right, Kelly's driving the Umbra. This is a good sign. But as she's assuming like, hey, the Spartans, you know, they fought at the Whitley. They won. You know, we're, they're coming back for what's left of my crew from the Night Watch. It's there. She notices a second person. It was the small head in the second cockpit that was confusing. There seems to be a long mane of stringy blonde hair hanging from it. And Amelia thought she could make out a pale oval of a tiny, gaunt human face. What the hell? And at this point, they confirmed like, yo, am I looking at a kid? Why is Kelly bringing a kid? And Ceci's like, thank God, because I totally thought I was hallucinating. So clearly, they, and mind you, they heard the alert from the Whitley and John telling them, hey, we think there are kids running around here. So they were aware. They just didn't realize how true it was. At this point, Petrov breaks out from where they're hiding. She actually walks toward the Umbra. It's approaching, and she stops and she flags it. Kelly slows down. They greet each other. You know, Kelly's kind of letting her know, hey, this is what's happening. You know, me, John, Fred, and Linda, we made it here. We ran into the cast-offs. We had to kind of, like, split up. And, you know, they're just talking. Everything's going well. Kelly tells Ceci, tell the other ones to come down so we can start boarding the Umbra. Everything's fine and dandy, right? It's in the middle of that conversation. Kelly's like, oh, by the way, I am like, I need 18 Marines on the double. And Petrov, she doesn't even think, because mind you, she's not really thinking straight. She's out of it. All this stuff. (laughs) You stop right there. No, Petrov doesn't think. You just ended the sentence right there. Oh, I knew you would get it, but she dude, she's so out of her mind. She's like, yeah, bro, I got 20, I got 18 Marines myself and a lieutenant. We're ready to go, baby. <laughs> you can stop right there. Out of her mind, say no more. <laughs> right, but it's at this point where she's like, yeah, man, I'll give you the Marines and more. That's when, like, the light bulb finally goes off in her head. And she's like, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? And she's like, what do you mean you need Marines? And what about the Covenant ship and all that? And then that's what Kelly lets her know about a, a drip God. A certain man. But she doesn't know it's the drip God. But she talks about how the Covenant, instead of like flying off in the Lucky Break, they attacked the Whitley. And they left the Lucky Break undefended. And then that leads to a whole conversation of like, aliens don't make sense. Very repeat theme in this book. At this point, that's when the second light bulb goes off in Petrov's head. Why are you talking like the fighting isn't done? (laughs) Ma'am, that's what I'm trying to explain. (laughs) Petrov felt her stomach clench. (laughs) She was committing a cardinal sin of command. Talking when she should be listening. It was a symptom of her half-cooked brain. Had to be. Kelly again. So we need to bring support forward as fast as we can. I doubt John knows that they're behind him. Damn. (laughs) Petrov's like, they? Special Forces Unit, ma'am. Kelly's tone was worried or perhaps merely impatient. In the other Umbra. At that point... Petrov surrenders. She's like, fine. It's whatever. Let's get moving. Now, boys, do you think everything just goes without, like, problem in the world? Everything's smooth. They all hop in the Umbra. End of chapter, right? Oh, yeah. No, totally. That's exactly what happens because nothing bad ever happens here. It's like he's given us the answer already. So I'm going to go with a clean leave. I'm not falling for this. Clean leave. 
you're right. You got you guys are 100 percent right. Petrov's like, yo, let's roll out. Sassy, her lieutenant's like, yo, no problem. Everybody up the umber ramp. Everything's going well. Petrov's still kind of talking to Kelly, like, I can't believe this shit. Like, why are you here? You guys should have fought and then came and got gotten us. Until there's a commotion at the top of the ramp. There seems to be a situation, so Sessie goes to handle it. There's a handful of Marines fighting with three crewmen. You see, the Umbra has about 20 seats. The problem is, there's only 18 seats available. Remember, Kelly came rolling deep. She got Lena, Lena in the second cockpit, and Arnie and Oscar are hanging out in the body of the Umbra. In the words of Kevin Hart, somebody's got to go. <laughs> so at this point, Ceci's trying to control the situation, but none of these people are listening her listening to her. I mean, they're caught in the middle of a nuclear holocaust. This is literally their only way out of this this area. And now all of them can't even leave. Who is the voice of reason at this point? Who comes to the rescue? It's got to be the, the boy, John. You're wrong. Amelia Petrov. She knows that she has to be the one to walk up this ramp and clear up the situation. So she hauls ass off the ramp up the ramp and then she goes this isn't a taxi service if you're not a marine step off the transport so she just straight up told her crew the people who blew up this ship to give them a fighting chance at this mission kick rocks (laughs) now the crew they immediately get off (laughs) that's not even the worst part her crew members glared at her in disbelief in obvious anger, their expressions showed the betrayal they felt. She tried not to care. The important thing was the mission. And at the moment, they weren't important to completing it. This is the best part. This is the, the warning she gives them. Now, if I have to ask the Spartan to remove you, she pointed out over the Mirage Basin, you'll find yourself learning to fly. Oh, shit. And yeah, I know Kelly don't play. <laughs> So they all get off and that leaves 19 people. At that point, Petrov starts looking at the kids. This is what I consider the, the grudge match of the book. What happens when you take the unstoppable force and you put it against the immovable object? Petrov proceeds to look at Lena and she tells them, Hey, Military op, military necessity. You guys got to get off the Umbra. Lena, the tiny, blonde-haired, malnourished pirate child, looks this grown, dying woman in the eyes. (laughs) Malnourished pirate child. (laughs) She looks this dying woman in the eyes and says, we were here first. (laughs) That's it. Get the fuck off the umbra now. (laughs) Wow. That's cold, man. (laughs) That is cold. Yo, Petrov goes, it doesn't matter. But yo, Lena is no pushover. Lena's, this is what Lena says. It does to us. Kelly wouldn't have captured this thing without our help. We're not leaving. And that's facts. That is 100% facts. So, (laughs) at this point, this is when Kelly jumps in. Kelly tries to very subtly tell Petrov. and And she tells the kids, number one, hey, I have no control. I can't tell you that you can stay on the Umbra. And then she looks at Petrov and she's like, but they did help me get it. And given the circumstances, we need to hurry up and go because this elite ops team is on the way. Does Petrov understand it? No, 
course not. Once again, yo, y'all need to get off the Umbra. <laughs> Kelly, hey, here's the thing. These kids helped me get it. John's running out of time. Also, he's working with a group of people, and it's very important these kids come with us. At this point, Petrov kind of starts picking up. Oh, she's trying to tell me something, but I can't figure out what she's trying to tell me. So she thinks about it. She processes like, all right, for some reason, I can't get these kids off the Umbra. Cool. Great. Whatever. So this is what she does. She looks at her, her soldiers <laughs> and she's like, first of all, Sessie, I need you to grab the best 16 Marines we got. And then the last two seats are ours. Whoever's left is going to hold it down here with the crewmen and we're going to come back for them. And then she looks at Lena and she asks her, are you happy now? And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, that'll do for now. And she said, by the way, I'm stealing your seat because Kelly needs to catch me up on what's going on. And this is how we end chapter 16. This is Lena's response. Oh, don't think about double-crossing me. Kelly's on our side. So clearly the kids have grown very fond of their Spartan compatriot. And that's chapter 16. We're done. Everybody's go home. Yay. Great episode. Wrap it up. Click. Okay, bye. Good episode. Thank you. So that, yep. All right. So chapter 16 in a nutshell. Petrov thought they were going home. They're not even close. <laughs> the the that that moment that moment is insane, man. Like just a total disregard of like the people who were doing the work. She's just like, get off. Get off. Yeah, like thanks for doing your job. <laughs> thanks for coming out. You you know what you signed up for. Now your asses are gonna stay here. Which is it's what the job entails, does it not? But sheesh. It's it's funny how this kind of comes up with John in the next in in the in this next chapter we're gonna go over, just in the sense of like we see growth and if you guys remember when when they survived the augmentation and Mendez was like, Listen, you're gonna have your orders, but you have to know when to follow those orders and when breaking those orders is following those orders. We're going to, we're going to see that because that kind of relates how this whole thing is a shit show, but it's so important that the mission be complete that everyone is expendable. Mm. And that, that's the theme we see carrying in, into chapter 17. We're not picking up with Nazat. We are picking back up with blue team though. I, we are, we're going to get back to our boy, but we're still with blue team. And the chapter opens like a R&B music video. John is missing his lady. He's missing Kelly. Now. Simp. <laughs> not John. 100% John. Well, tactically speaking, John misses her because he would have preferred her backing up Linda trying to rescue the crew from the Whitley versus a ragtag team of untrained pirate teenager adult people. And there's also the fear of the elite black ops squad. Cause he's like, there's no way to send her any kind of, of, of like message. There's no way to check up on her. The only way to check up on her is through the team's comp. But team teams com is you know short distance, so he's going off of if she hasn't said anything, that's a good sign. As well as if something happened to Kelly or if she confronted the group and lost, um the the armor will self destruct, and when it self destructs, it will send them a signal letting them know. John shrugs it off, and they know they got a they got a mission to complete. So currently he's riding along on one of the spider contraptions. I'm assuming he's probably on a Roselle's spider. Um, Sam is riding in front of him with Samson, the cast off leader in their spider. And here is the game plan. 
Linda and the castoffs are going to proceed into that underground forgotten highway that the crew of the Whitley went in, as well as Nisa and Lakosi went in. So everybody's all roads are leading to this random highway tunnel. That's where they're going. John and Sam are going to go to the lucky break as they're descending. And mind you, they're trying to get to that area where we were, where the covenant was on one side of the gulch and they shot their harpoons over to the plateau to get to the Whitley. So they're approaching that area. And in this case, they're descending into it. John has a thought. That was the price of rushing an operation. It could devolve into a true shitstorm. Proper assets were marshaled, weren't marshaled. People were pushed into roles beyond their skill set, and minor challenges erupted into major disasters. It was the reason the military strategists placed so much importance on momentum. Skilled attackers moved when they were ready, and defenders fought whether they were ready or not. And the fact was, all humanity was now on the defensive. The Covenant was pressing the attack at a thousand points along the edge of the outer colonies. The reason why John is saying this is as they're descending into this area, it's littered with bodies. There's war hogs. Yeah. Nice. Metal. <laughs> rated, Metal AF. Rated R. <laughs> well that's the thing yo so like there's bodies everywhere he talks about there's a security guard who hasn't done a year of cardio and it shows (laughs) he he picks up that all the the bodies that are scattered about they're crewmen of the whitley but these were people who were never ever trained to be in a combat situation these are you know pilots scientists engineers they shouldn't be outside the Whitley defending it. But mind you, it was a hard fought battle. It wasn't like, hey, they kind of laid there and died. Like John could see the scars of the battle, like on the field. Like this was something very hard fought. And while John is pondering this and seeing all the bodies, he knows that for humanity, they're di- they're diving into these desperate operations because they don't, they don't know what to do with this threat. This was a threat they never accounted for. But John knows that the only hope or the only way to fix this or to win against the covenant is the Spartans. He says they were humanity's one weapon that had proven superior to covenant technology, the one force able to carry the attack to the enemy. The trouble was the aliens now knew that too, and they had the po- the firepower to do something about it. So John's pondering all these things and he goes on, he goes on to talk about how when he was on a mission with Avery Johnson, the goat, the man, the myth, the legend, and another gentleman by the name of Marmon um, Croder, they devised a strategy and the way that they, they devised it, they took stock of the resources. They made sure that the assault that they planned, they could marshal. And even when they were bold, they made sure they didn't do anything without the lack of assets necessary. And that was the problem here. John is pretty much saying, I'm tired of being moved around and used like a live chess piece for these half cocked missions that they keep sending us out on. He's like, if we want to win, we first got to stop wasting assets and we need to use them properly. And if I can survive on Netherop, the next time we do some crazy ish like this, I'm voicing my opinion. So we're seeing a lot of growth in this moment from John, where he's like, I'm not just going to keep doing things and doing them. Now I'm going to, I'm going to provide my input, whether they like it or not. And he he goes on to say that Admiral Cole, Michael Stanforth, and even Dr. Halsey, they need to start understanding to stop wasting all our stuff 
and start doing this properly or we're going to lose quick, fast, and in a hurry. And mind you, this is just in the outer colonies. The covenant hasn't reached the inner colonies yet, and that's a whole other mess. Well, hopefully that will that will never happen and be a part of the storyline. Of course. Right. But either way, you know, I mean, no. humanity. No, never, because they're going to stop them here, Ken Dog. Yeah, they're going to stop them here. Everything will be fine. They've been, yeah. they've been doing this for You're a while. you a real time. Debbie Downer. You're right, guys. I'm being a negative yeah. Nancy. You're right. They're trained for this. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yes. It's not like they were originally made to fight humans. Who would have thought? No. Not I. Not I. They've been they've been pre- preparing for this since well, 2023 when the space force happened. So you said it's in the timeline, <laughs> right? The space force you said it's in the timeline. So there you go. Yes, you're right. Yo, can you imagine? <laughs> can you like if we got to live like 200, 300 years to see the space force turned into Spartans? I would be. I would be. I don't even. Not even the Spartans. If they were turned into Orion soldiers, I would be dead. That's why you know you gotta you just gotta donate your 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 brain to science, bro, to AI technology, and you'll get to see it. Ah, jokes on you! I'm do- I'm donating that bad boy to Disney. They're gonna freeze me and bring me back. <laughs> I didn't get accepted to that to that plan. Have you ever looked into that cryogenic freezing no. stuff? You, it's it's kind of like the Mars trip right now. It's a one-way ticket, and when they figure it out, they'll let us know. <laughs> yeah. So, it... That's pretty much the gist <laughs> yeah. I got out of it. It's like it's like the whole plot of that show, The Bright Side. Or the, the, oh, Hello Tomorrow. It's like the whole plot. They have the idea, but they don't have an ending to the idea. <laughs> well there is an ending to this thought because at that point blue team the castoffs they all make it to um the covenant setting area that we were all at and john surveils the area and he sees you know a bunch of dead dead oni operatives he what he surveils he takes a look around Sorry, my oh, English okay. is not very good looking. He recons the area. And, uh, <laughs> recons the area. And he just... Surveys, even. <laughs> well, he calls Linda. He's like, hey, just so you know, there's a bunch of weapons by all these dead people. So if you want to arm the cast-offs, go ahead. <laughs> so... <laughs> just a, hooking up the homies. But with a disclaimer... He's never any fun. You just got to give him a disclaimer. Like, no, just let him go ham. They fucked you up. <laughs> just let him be. And John's Batman is showing because, yeah, he's they're going to show him, but John doesn't trust anybody. If you're not a Spartan, he doesn't trust you. Those are the people you shouldn't be trusting. Those are the only people who can kill him. <laughs> well, They've been number one on my do not trust list. But, you know, those are the homies. They grew up together. They used to climb, you know, trees and, you know, fight Marines. You know, the huge. My God, you have hope. You mean to tell me. You you mean to tell me they weren't (laughs) eating crayons? Well, no, actually, the ones in the gym were totally eating crayons. And John made sure they weren't eating through a tube. The alpha male Marines were eating through a coffin. Yes, the alpha males. Yes, the the the, the uh, ODSTs, the real alpha, the one who are passing the PT test with one stroke. Anywho, so what were you saying? Gosh darn Marines! But yeah, so they arm the castoffs, and the funny thing is, Linda kind of starts showing them like, "Hey, this is how you use a Magnum. This is how you use our BR," and they're actually kind of good at it. So. Apparently, firearms is in their learning modules. Like, they're not bad at it at all. Is there anything these little shits can't do? They can, they're they're probably more elite than the Spartans. Mm. And we just don't know it yet. Don't let Oni know that. I mean, apparently they don't, because there's a bunch of dead ones around, when clearly they should have forgotten about the Covenant frigate and came for the cast-offs. 
They're the real prize on this planet. <laughs> right? <laughs> John, you know, then John gives a disclaimer. Listen, if they shoot at you, or he, he tell, if you feel a little ting on your armor, put them down. If y'all remember in the last chapter, John said for her to get her kills, it takes her about three shots. And I'm assuming that's to get to elites. So imagine what she could do to humans with one bullet. But she confirms if they try to betray her or they try to steal a ship, she ain't gonna let it happen. They split up. Linda and the castoffs are handling their business. John and Fred move up a bank and that's where they get to the, the area where Nizat's rigging team were setting up all the harpoons and shooting them over to the plateau. My boy. Now, there's about two to three pages of descriptions. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to tell you guys. We've kind of talked about this plot of land for like the last two to three episodes. So, <laughs> but, yo, they checked the hole. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the difference between this and Death Stranding. There's a lot of stuff in Death Stranding where they connect and there's just a lot of stuff here to describe John taking a knee which is great it's a great read but it's terrible if you're trying to like retell every little detail (laughs) it's a bad portrayal (laughs) (laughs) well at this point you play some funny music like Fred and John are checking everything like Fred shoots a rocket to the other side of the plateau just to make sure nobody's going to shoot at them. Okay. John ends up shooting over there and he's like, mm, I guess the coast is clear. And Fred will eventually hook himself up and he flies through the air over there. And John's still waiting on the other side. He's kind of expecting like a firefight, gunfire, nothing. And then for, you know, just to be sure, John shoots it over again, just to be sure there's nobody coming for them. Fred, Fred is like, hey, it's all clear. Come over. John's getting ready. He gets his gear. And as John is coming over, he tells Fred, listen, rig up some traps. That way, if they come up behind us, you know, we'll be able to catch them off guard and have them drop to their deaths. And Fred kind of talks about, you know, we could use subterfuge. And he's like, no, no, no. Make things go boom. And Fred's like, okay. But at the same time. <laughs> sure thing, boss. But no, this is the best part. Fred actually, on, Fred asks John a very honest question. Do you think we need to do all this? You know, Kelly probably killed all of them, right? So the million dollar question. Does John think Kelly can take a whole black ops squad of elites Abs- by herself absolutely what 100% final answer boys uh, yep clean is like I don't know about this answer we're we're talking we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so clean says yes what do you say Brandon can Kelly take out a whole team of elites the only person who could and we'll find out after the break <laughs> would be George Lopez does that mean we have three weeks off now does that mean three Jorge weeks no Lopez <laughs> no no we're not taking a break we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're hitting the uh, we're actually hitting the end the end of the episode <laughs> So, number one, (laughs) both of you guys are correct. John wholeheartedly knows Kelly could take out this this Black Ops team of elites by herself. But it stems back to what John was thinking about. If the UNSC wasn't jumping into these half-cocked missions, as well as Petrov telling them to blow up the ship that had all their assets... Kelly could wholeheartedly take out the whole Black Ops team. But here we are. And that leads to the best convo in the chapter. Fred's like, at this point, why don't we just give every Spartan a grenade launcher? 
or a rocket launcher. And then John, yo, Fred, Fred be spitting Fred sometimes. <laughs> I give Fred a lot of shit, but sometimes it's like this dude doopy. <laughs> let him cook. <laughs> yo, Fred is Fred is the young Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh my god, I can't even say it. He's the young Russell. He's the young, the young Bronco of the Spartans. <laughs> but and no that it gets better it gets better because then john's like yeah but come on man some machine guns shotguns assault rifles and this is where fred i mean those are cool use them. it's like that meme of like yeah this is cool but i like this <laughs> no no that's not what fred says he follows up no 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 he's like you can still have that he's like i'm not saying it gotta be a rocket launcher he's like yeah we'll just tell halsey build us some hand rocket, like some arm rocket launchers with like mini missiles and stuff. <laughs> this dude is fucking cooking. <laughs> He's, <laughs> he is on to some shit. <laughs> Fuck it. Kick out Halsey. We need this dude in charge. This is, this is the new idea I guy. Just wants to make shit boom. Someone call Chris Chan. We got a new idea guy. <laughs> Well, at this point, Fred goes like, yeah, we should get those. And you know what? As soon as we survive Netherop, I'm going to request them. <laughs> it's happening, boys. Wrist rocket launchers a la Mandalorian for the Spartans. It's like every dude's wet dream. It's true. But you know what really gets the listeners wet, Brandon? No, a Breaks. cliffhanger. Man. So the conversation is done and they are four kilometers away from the lucky break based on where they're positioned. So John and Fred haul ass and they haul ass. Like it's pretty much Warframes, like wild ninjas. Like they're, they are, they are hauled. They start out running and it takes them about 45 minutes to cover three kilometers. So same thing. They push the Mjolnir armor to the to the to the furthest it can go. The sweatsuits they got, they are not doing a good job cleaner clearing the heat. And they cover three kilometers. And at this point, they know the Black Ops team has made it. But there's no explosions, there's no firefights, and they can't tell if any of Fred's traps are going off because of the shimmer from the explosions and how terrible the planet is. But there is one thing. They are one freaking kilometer away from the lucky break. These mother lovers hit this kilometer and they are crawling. And it's taking everything in their bodies to not jump up and run and just slap a bomb or, um, a breaching bomb on the vessel. They're like, we've made it this far. Somehow we've made it this far. And there's no point in like, you know, revealing ourselves or breaking cover. We're going to crawl. And we're finally going to get there. Boys. What is one thing we have learned about the planet Netherop? It hates. It's it's like me. It hates everything and everyone. Not a good vacation spot. And this is the last thing I'm going to leave the chapter on. They had made it this far unseen. And the ground shook. A long, gentle shudder that came rolling through the stone in waves. The sheep plants surrounding them wrapped in on themselves. And the crystal bushes shattered into flutter bugs. Then a purple form rose into the air ahead, a long nose, dis-shaped vessel with a notch in its dovetailed stern. It rode a cushion of blue radiance across the plateau, then floated over the edge and out into the Mirage Basin. The lucky break was leaving. Wow. 
<laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> That's okay. It. That's what we're ending the chapter on. Oh, oh, I did. I, okay, we're piece of shitting in it today. Oh, all right. Now that's a good place to stop. <laughs> it's the setup. It w- it ended up being a filler. We got to set all the all the players in place first. We don't do fillers. fillers? What? No. What are we Disney Plus <laughs> and Hulu. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know who. Yeah. Pretty much everybody right now. I'm going to stop before another conversation ensues. Yeah, boys. Kelly and the Calvary is on the way, and the mission has officially failed. The sacrifices, the bodies, everything was for nothing. Lucky Break is leaving. I'm assuming uh, this is like the same silence John and Fred probably had in the second as they watched the ship leave. Well, I'm not going to say I'm upset, but I'm not having a great time. It's, It's funny, right? The beginning of the episode, Petrov thinks, hey, it's over. We're going home. And it's like, no, you're being conscripted into another battle. suck it Petrov it's only because Petrov is around that's the only reason bad things are happening you know it's funny right you know they made it this far and then the minute she hops in the Umbra and they're on the way the lucky break finally decides to leave I'm not surprised I am surprised I'm prized. I mean, we spent seven, eight episodes trying to get to the ship and they don't even board it. It's just gone. It's just. And next week we talk about excuses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because you best believe someone's going to be like, oh, what? (laughs) Take a guess who it is. (laughs) Don't need it. Sorry. In two weeks we find out and she's not going to be thrilled. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, so essentially this episode is just a bunch of fuckery. Um, cool. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Their situation gets worse. That, that's why I'm leaving the other half of the episode. It, get, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, oh perfect. <laughs> but there's also growth at the same time. It's not so gross. <laughs> yeah, boys. Oh man! I really enjoyed well, that. good job, Ken Dog. Yeah, I thought bad news. I love, <laughs> I love, yeah, I love story time on Thursday nights, guys. This is like the greatest job of all time. It's my favorite part of the week. Is when I I get to just sit here and listen. <laughs> Isn't it? I get to eat. I get to hear of. Hopefully, uh, one day we get paid for Space it. Space Marines, and then I get to hear of. Death, just complete death the week after. It's great. But there's week there's death every week. And and rappers who fight for vendettas. People died. People well, no spoilers. People die in all these games, but I've just come to realize someone always dies every week. No matter what game, if it's Death Stranding or Halo, someone always dies. He brings up a good point. Right, we need to we need to add some life, some actual life. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? All right, so the the next round after we're done covering all the deaths, we'll, we'll add life. <laughs> we'll play. Uh, what's the next one we're gonna play? Fall guys. Um, Viva Pinata. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> what a great game that nobody hates. <laughs> I'll quit. What can go wrong? I'll quit. I'm not playing Viva Pinata. <laughs> Bro, that was a hit on the You don't have to play any of these. It was a hit on the 360, y'all. Kids is out here dying and it, for it. And it's been free for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Played the shit out of some Viva Pinata. 
Yo, you got a <laughs> Yo, <he> upset. <laughs> He's upset. Bro, where did the show hurt you? It used to be a Fox Kids show. Was it really? <laughs> did it, yeah, it was. A, it was a cartoon. Did it really? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe it was a cartoon, and then, like somebody slapped it in a game. God damn it! Look at that. <laughs> Already finding out more lore. Aren't you glad you're here, Clean? <laughs> yeah, 2006 animation. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I have these obscure... <laughs> I'm going to watch the fuck out of that bully. tonight. More obscure facts. I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> fucking love Bluey, too. That shit's that fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, boys. Well, all right. Good episode. I'm going to go crawl into a hole and do some more plotting to thwart everybody's plans. Um, you know, I've a lot of evil deeds to get ready to do. And, uh, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm excited to enact them to be a cowboy. (laughs) So yeah, with that, we have death stranding next week. So we'll be back here the week after. Yeah. Two weeks. So, or did you guys want to do the next, uh, stranding next? Yeah. We're almost we're like cool. we're hitting like the uh the, Alrighty, the, with, the big parts of Death Stranding. We're like We're almost done with Death Stranding, believe it or not. Yeah, we're like the the, the heavier stuff is about to hit. Because the game hasn't been heavy. Yeah, we're almost to the yeah. cry cry part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know that huh. I'm okay. We're going to take so many fucking breaks. <laughs> oh, man. All righty. We'll see. See y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Me and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by... Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by Achilles Amistat. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both can be found on Fiverr.com. For inquiries, information, and feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore on Facebook or email us directly at youmeandlore at gmail. Bye-bye.